0: Hey, uh, Today, I'm speaking with my friend, Evelina, and we're going to talk, who knows what we're going to talk about, right? That's what (laughs) always happens on these podcasts, but uh, she's a hypnotherapist, so I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about that, Uh, but she has a very interesting story too. So whatever you do, take a listen to this entire episode because you're going to hear something in the episode today that is exactly what you need to hear today. So with that, let's roll the episode. Hi, I'm Jason Mefford, and you're in the right place to start transforming your career and life with this podcast. I've been in the trenches as an executive leader, and now I'm an executive coach and confidential advisor to executives all over the world. I use a multidisciplinary approach to improve learning that drives transformation by getting to the root cause in a practical, no-nonsense way. I love learning and sharing what makes people tick. You get both education and entertainment, since learning shouldn't be boring, right? But that's enough about me. This podcast is a combination of intuitive leadership, neural influence, and mental mastery to take your career and life to levels you've never thought possible. If you're wanting to improve yourself, Develop stronger relationships professionally and personally, make quicker, better decisions, and become a more effective leader. Then, of course, this podcast is for you because you are going to learn how to manage emotions in yourself and others, avoid burnout, stress, and anxiety, master your mind, get people to listen and take action, and become a lifelong learner. And when you do that, you will have a positive mental attitude, executive leadership presence, and the skills to know exactly what to say and do in any situation. I'm glad you're here. So let's get started. All right, Evelina, it is nice to have you here with me today. How are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm great, and thank you for having me. It's an absolute absolute pleasure to be here.
0: Well, I hope you say that at the end, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I will.
0: Now, because I'm I'm all about, you know, trying to have some fun and and trying to be authentic, so I'm going to try to pronounce your last name correctly, and I'm probably going to butcher it, so we're going to get to have a little, little joke about it. Um, but I think it'll it'll kind of tie in, too, to, to the story, your story as well, right? So, yeah. see so if I can say it right this time again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I did it again. <laughs> and you did it so well before. <laughs> I did it so well before.
0: Almost. <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: so (laughs) there
0: we go no that was better all right now so so maybe let's just start because I I I know you know as you talk people are gonna are gonna pick up a little bit so you where, where where did you grow up where do you live now because I think I think this is kind of important to the story too is as far as who you are and how you've kind of journeyed in your life as well
1: yeah absolutely I think it does because it really impacted who I am as a person um, I'm Polish as you can hear probably in my accent however I can probably also hear some Scottish <laughs> in my accent too because I live in Scotland for the last 17 years which is a wild almost half of my life
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know. Maybe not
1: quite but close yeah, I know
0: the, old, the older we get, 20 years doesn't seem like very much, does it?
1: <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Um, so I'm gonna, going to kind of reveal my age here a bit. So I came here when I was 21. Uh, and I've been here for about 17. So it's kind of half and half. And so I'm a person of two halves, if I can say this, because I am very much polished at my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, really feel a strong connection to that part of me. However, I do also feel... Um, that might, might sound a bit cliche, a citizen of the world, <laughs> uh, because I love traveling. I absolutely love exploring the world. And it was one of the reasons why I left, because I was eager to go and see the world. And growing up in a Poland, very much a communist and, and post-communist country, we were very restricted to where we can go and what we can do. And I guess that's the rebellious side of me was like, okay, when can I go and what can I see? And I, you know, and I did it. Eventually I did leave, uh, which was a a huge step to uh, a young person to see a completely different world to the one I grew up with.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, well, because, you know, again, as, as we're talking here, because it's, we'll tie in, I mean, a little bit from my from my background too, right, is that, you know, so you grew up in Poland uh, under the communist regime. Oh, yeah. You saw everything, you know, kind of come apart, if you will, mm-hmm. and then immigrated to Scotland, right? So you've seen yeah. some very interesting things, you know, similar, I lived in Germany for a little while, and it was the first time I went to Germany, it was when the wall was still up it was 89 just before the wall came down there Mm -hmm. and and so i got to know a lot of people that grew up in the eastern side yeah of germany and kind of hear what their childhood was like versus you know and you kind of experienced it sounds like a very very similar kind of thing in your life as well Mm -hmm.
1: yeah because you know i'm Soviet Union, part of who were part of the Soviet Union until 1989. So, my childhood is very different to my peers from Scotland, from UK, from the Western world, really, uh, which is kind of amazing. I quite often um, relate deeply with people who are twice my age, Uh, but maybe come from here because their childhood resembled more to what I've experienced.
0: Okay, yeah. People my age. Yeah, because they were living through the Second World War and a lot of the clampdowns and the the other stuff that was kind of going on there in the UK at Mm -hmm. that time.
1: Interesting. And, you know, I grew up when we had uh, Russians, I would say this, uh, you know, we had cards for chocolate and, you know, and as a little girl, I remember all this. But if you speak to someone my age here, it's like, I don't know what you talk about. Like, you know, and, and I can see why, because as we changed, Everything was in shops, uh, where before nothing was in shops, (laughs) Uh, yet there was like, uh, you know, a massive shaft. So maybe there was everything in shops, but people had no money to buy this. Um, You you cannot change or go through such a deep change without problems. You know, going from communism to democracy, you're going to have cracks, you're going to have problems.
0: (laughs) Well, and, you, and you've got, because because this is where I want to kind of ask you a few questions about this too, because it's, so my mother-in-law grew up in England, you know, mm-hmm. at, at the time of the war. And so there, there's a few things like that. Like she has this thing about food, mm-hmm. right? And, and I mean, it's July and she's worried about what we're going to be having for Christmas dinner,
1: right? Yeah.
0: Or the first thing, you know, when she comes over, she's like, So what are we having for dinner? And it's like, I don't know, it's like six <laughs> hours from now. We'll decide then, right? Yeah. But but you know, what when, when we understand more about her childhood, which it sounds like was kind of similar to yours, right? She grew up on rations. Mm-hmm. They grew up, you know, not having much food during the war. And so as a little girl, a lot of those things kind of got programmed into her. Yeah. That now It doesn't really matter right but it but it still kind of becomes a part of of who she was and so again I'm guessing for you you know kind of going from communist Poland Mm -hmm. to not communist Poland was probably a change but then going to Scotland you know there's but there's still this part of you that remembers right
1: oh absolutely it was a massive cultural shock when i came here because i grew up with limited food yes we had a plot of land which was the savior because my mom always made jars of food so basically the summer was like right okay what we're we gonna eat over the winter so we had a pot of la- plot, plot of land and my mom always made lots of food so we can you know have food over the winter um, so for me, program is like, you have to be careful with your food, how you eat. You know, we were not allowed to leave food on a plate and stuff like this. It was, you know, managing carefully, you know, how you. So, you know, I was programmed to perceive food and the world in a certain way because this was my reality. So when I came to Scotland, it was a big cultural shock because... I left with a family because I came here as a pair initially. Mm, Okay. And the fridge was full of food and most of that always ended up in a bin. And I couldn't wrap my head around it. Why do they do this? Because you know, coming from where food is scarce and you have to be careful how you go about it to a household where they couldn't care less. it seemed to me like that, you know, at the time. Different realities. They grew up in a different realities to mine. They didn't see the world the way I did because they grew up somewhere else. So my perception of the world was very different.
0: Well, and really, I mean it's it's that way for all of us, I think, right? Because, because like you said, I mean, I, I love that idea of kind of a citizen of the world. I would love to turn in my US passport and just have like an international passport if I was allowed yeah. to do that, but you can't, right? I
1: know that would be awesome. <laughs> It'd be amazing,
0: right? But but you know, we all come from Different backgrounds, and Mm -hmm. and I heard you use a word that that I want to talk a little bit more about because this is going to tie into some of the hypnotherapy stuff to talk about. Is Mm -hmm. that you you use the word programmed,
1: Mm -hmm. right?
0: Is that you know it sounds like as we're growing up, as we go through and have some of these different experiences, Mm -hmm. we're programmed to believe certain things, right? Just like you said, you grew up in Poland it was you it was food was scarce yep. so you grew up with certain beliefs or were programmed to have certain beliefs that when you got to scotland it's like <laughs> it's totally different right full refrigerator yeah. they're throwing out the food all the time and you're like what there's they're starving people in poland right um, parents always used to say starving people in china right eat your yeah. dinner but but that kind of an idea right and so how does that you know, I know for you, you probably had to make some changes in yourself mm-hmm. to 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 go from how you were programmed as a child to how you're living today, right? Because you can't mm-hmm. live in Scotland with all the same beliefs and acting the same way as you did when you were a child in Poland, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was a difficult period because back then I didn't understand any of it. I didn't know anything about. Uh, mind, how we learn the way we perceive the world and our beliefs, how we go about to have certain beliefs, why I see the world this way or let's say I've got two younger brothers and they are very different to me, they don't necessarily hold the same beliefs about the world. And to give you the example, my younger brother came to Scotland when he was 12, I was 21 Again, he's a very different person than I am because his reality growing up in Poland was very different to mine because he was born in 93. You know, Poland was free, democracy, food on shelves, no problems. You know, government doesn't really restrict your movements. You can do whatever you want. I grew up in a different reality. So again, we're coming from the same household yet we are very different people. Mm. And he feels very Scottish very Western child, um, he doesn't feel Polish at all because he grew up here pretty much. You know, uh, you know that difficult age, 11, 12, when you really shape yourself as a person, he was here in Scotland. Um, so when I came, my world got turned upside down because the way I was treated, the way people were behaving here, uh, everyone says sorry every other day you know every other world um I apologize I'm sorry I'm sorry and I'm like why do you keep saying sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't do anything why do you keep you know apologizing to me um and it, it took a while for me to get used to this to to see the world through the prism of you know living in a different world and I remember when I maybe went to Poland a few years later, maybe visit my mom or something. And the differences between the two countries were so massive because the fact that no one really said sorry in a shop, you know, or like no one like that, you know, cultural way of, in um, you know, if, you, if you've been to England before, so, you know, everyone's like, oh, I'm sorry, I bumped into you. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't give you the right. You know, everyone is keep apologizing and no one really does that in Poland. So living here for a few years, and then I visited Poland, suddenly I was like, oh, no, why no one, have, you know, one says uh, no one apologizes. They don't say I'm sorry. that the cultural shift was very visible to me because I was a few years here, not really living there anymore. I was getting used to the reality here. And then I go on holiday and it's like, whoa. <laughs> well,
0: and that's interesting because it brings up, you know, so much of the time it's, You know, there's an old Native American saying that kind of goes, you know, you never know someone else until you walk a day in their mock in their moccasins. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, you know, it's it's, you know, how much of the time in the world are people saying, how can you not say you're sorry? Oh, my gosh. You know, you're so rude Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Right. We make all these interpretations about how somebody acts or what they do or what they believe. Without really understanding who they are as a person and maybe why they feel that way,
1: absolutely
0: right. And absolutely. so, so you having that experience—that's why I love. I love traveling too, because it, it it gives us a feeling of how others in the world perceive the world or why they do things the way that they do.
1: Hundred percent. But that's yeah. why I love traveling because you get to see the perspective. Of the world from a different angle. And just because it's different, it doesn't mean that it's better or worse. It's just different. Yep. And as you say, you need to walk in someone else's shoes for a day to know really why they are the way they are. and um, you know, now I, it doesn't really bother me in any shape or form because I know so much about the mind, you know, being a hypnotherapist, I understand the mind. But back then it was very visible to me still being quite a young person you know i still i had that internal battle in myself you know living between two different worlds i didn't really fully understand why that is this way you know there was all those questions that i had in my head i had a lot of internal battles in myself um I wasn't happy with my life, yet I didn't do anything about changing this because I didn't understand, you know, why I created my life the way I did. Now I know. <laughs> um, well,
0: and and maybe let's talk about that a little bit because this this might help, kind of, you know. I I know you've kind of come on a journey. I mean, like you said, you know, when you first went to Scotland, you were an au pair,
1: mm-hmm. right? So
0: that was one kind of job. I'm sure you had other different jobs in between and now ended up becoming a hypnotherapist. So we'll get in and kind of talk a little bit about that. But, but I think what's, what's interesting is what you just kind of said there that I'm sure a lot of people listening can feel this way because I feel this way. And Mm -hmm. you just said you felt this way where, you know, sometimes we kind of wake up and we want, we want our life to be different, Mm. but we just can't figure out why, <laughs> right? We're not happy, yeah. But we can't figure out what it is that we have to do different to 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 make our life better, mm-hmm. to to be different. So maybe let's talk talk a little bit about that because I'm sure, again, you know, you have a lot of people that that come to you in that same situation, right? I mean, how how do we how do we deal with that?
1: Yeah. So if I relate it back to my story, um, so I quite quickly got into a relationship when I came here. Not realizing that I recreated my childhood uh, environment in this relationship. So I got into a relationship with someone who had um, struggled with expressing emotions. And so did I, you know, I'm I'm as guilty (laughs) as charged here. Um, But basically that's, I recreated the relationship that I had with my mom at the time, where you know, unhealthy on an emotional level because my mom didn't express emotions. And now she can see see this. But back then she didn't know. And I didn't know that I recreated exactly my childhood in my adulthood relationships because that's how the mind works. We go for what we know, what's familiar to us and known to us. And that's why I did. And, you know, a few years in, I was like, well, I'm unhappy, but why am I unhappy? You know, I was like, there's nothing wrong with my relationship. He's okay. I'm okay. We've got good jobs. You know, everything seems hunky-dory on the surface. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yet I am not really satisfied with myself and with my life. And um, I wanted to go traveling. He didn't want to do so. I did. I went to university because I really needed to do something with myself. I was like, I was not happy, but I didn't know what, you know, how to tackle this, how to, you know, bite into as well. You know what I mean? It's like, like you said, you notice something is not working but I couldn't pinpoint what, and I needed to do something. So I went to uni, I finished university, um, which I always wanted to do, so I did. Um, And again, still wasn't that, I wasn't still kind of fixing what I wanted to fix. You know, the relationship fell apart in the end. Um, I struggled with depression after that a bit, because on one swoop, I've lost everything. I've lost my relationship. a a, a lovely environment I lived in I've lost my job my whole world got turned upside down but it was good you know now I can see this was for the better you know at the time I was like oh my god what's going on (laughs) but now I know it was for the better and I got a very good job after that And it seems I was like, yeah, I'm fixed. No more depression. I feel amazing. You know, cloud seven. Everything is good. And out of the blue, I kind of got a depressive spell again. And I was like, whoa, okay, what's going on in here? There's no reason, utterly no reason to feel like this. So I thought, anyway, you know, I've got a good job. I've got the money. You know, I've got a lovely house. What is going on here? And I started to look into it because it was very uncomfortable to me, you know, where on a surface, again, on a surface, my life looked fine, absolutely nothing to worry about, yet inside, I was screaming in pain and I didn't know how to tackle it. And other side to it as well, you know, I was being single, trying to date, and that didn't go anywhere. And after a while, I was like, mm, the common denominator is here in the mirror, <laughs> I'm looking at it. <laughs>
0: That's a hard discussion to have though, isn't it?
1: It is. It took me a while to get to this point to get like, okay, this is something going on wrong here. And the common denominator is me. But that really, it's almost like I needed to hit the rock bottom to kind of like, okay, I need to have a really long, hard look at myself here. <laughs> because I'm the common denominator here. And that's how I started to look into things out there. What can I do? Why do I feel like this? What is out there for me to try? Maybe coaching, maybe some courses. And I start reading self-help books. Nothing was really satisfying me. Like nothing was really, like I edged a little bit. I felt like I cracked the door open and they didn't go any further than that. So I saw a bit of light. I'm like, okay, but that does not solve the issue. <laughs> so I kept searching and, and kept looking. And eventually I uh, landed on Marissa Pier and, she teaches hypnotherapy and I went to see her in London and I was like oh this sounds like the thing I need (laughs) because she explained exactly why we struggle so much because we learn who we are and our beliefs patterns we create certain associations from basically the day we are being born. So I created certain associations with, let's say, my mom. My mom was emotionally uh, unavailable to me. So for me, I learned that uh, a loving, so to speak, healthy relationships is with someone who doesn't show you love and affection and emotion. Because when I created that belief, I was a little girl who, who didn't understand this is not the right pattern, this is not the right belief. But this was my belief, and that's what I created in my, uh, you know, adulthood relationship. But I didn't know that's what I did, so something was missing, something was not right because inside I was literally screaming in pain like I need the love and affection from myself, as well as you know, my ex partner, because I wasn't in a loving relationship with myself, and that's the by far the most important relationship we need to foster. And I was uh, failing myself. You know, I wasn't treating myself right. I wasn't looking after my mental health, um, you know, any kind of... I, w- I was always act- fit and active, so that wasn't the problem. But on emotional level, I was, you know, failing myself. And I didn't know that's what I'm doing. So I didn't have a healthy relationship with myself, so I couldn't create a healthy re- relationship with another person. Because if you've got a broken person, you're going to attract a broken person.
0: Yep. And that's that's why people keep going so much of the time from relationship to relationship to relationship, right? Because they think the other person is going to fix themselves. But until we fix ourselves, Mm -hmm. right, we're just going to keep attracting broken people.
1: Absolutely. And I guess I'm someone who's always been very eager to learn, to explore, someone who doesn't accept status quo. And I think that's really helped me because I was like, OK, this is enough. I, I Enough is enough. <laughs> you know, being in the early 30s, I was like, I've got a whole lifetime or two ahead of me. I need to get to the bottom of this. I can't live like this. This is not a way to live. And that's already... Helped me to keep going, to keep searching, to keep looking for solution because I wasn't satisfied with what I was getting uh, from life. Because I was like, this is, must be more. Surely I'm not just here to, you know, get up, go to work, go home, and go to bed. Like, surely there's more. Um, and there is, you know, as you know, life is beautiful if we choose to make it beautiful. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it is. And, and and so, you know, again, you, you, you said you kind of found this person in London mm-hmm. and hypnotherapy kind of resonated with you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that because again, like you said, you know, you'd been programmed, right. Mm-hmm. We'll use, use that word again, right. Is it your experiences over time? It kind of programmed you to believe certain things, mm-hmm. to, to do certain things the way you do it. Right. So, So what was it about hypnotherapy that really kind of resonated with you? And how did it help you get past that pain that you were actually feeling?
1: So what's so beautiful about hypnotherapy is that we work with the problem at the core level. Basically, we're getting to the source of the problem. We're not dealing just with the superficial issue because quite often what presents itself as the problem is not necessarily the problem. It's a coping mechanism that we developed. Um, So my coping mechanism was I decided not to open up to people. I created a wall. No one really could get into me because that meant to open up, to be vulnerable, to be seen. And that means open to love, which I that something was never shown to me in any shape or form because my mom didn't do it. My dad was never around. My granny, the person that really was the only person that I perceived and interpreted as a person that loved me, died when I was eight. And it's only till I start digging in my mind that I realized the i have really impacted me deeply. I have never associated that with much pain. Again, because I put up the wall. and mm-hmm. never allowed that pain to enter me. Um, so I created this wall. So my you know, problem that I was facing was I can't foster connections. No one really liked me. Um why? Because I created a wall. I never allowed anyone in. <laughs> but the real problem was I had a wrong belief. My belief: a healthy relationship is with someone who doesn't show love of affection, and that created a struggle inside of me because, on a soul level, on a deeper level, I understood this is not right but consciously i didn't have that awareness so what hypnosis allows is going into that deeper level where the problem was created because then we can realize okay so the problem is x y and z you created this belief based upon what happened to you something happened your mind created certain association created certain patterns okay we need to untangle this with, you know, our adult critical logical mind from a point where we are now. And then we can, okay, what beliefs do serve us? Okay, the correct belief, if I can say this is, you know, healthy relationship with someone who's dealt with the troubles, with the trauma, is able to be vulnerable and open up and, you know, able to foster healthy connection, not with someone who withholds emotions. Mm-hmm. So hypnosis allows to get into that deeper layer, that deeper level of the mind where all the problems are created, stored, and are ruling our lives from the shadows. And for the most part, we don't even know. They are there directing our arches, our decisions, because we think we consciously made a decision. No, we haven't. Because before we even get to think, okay, I need to make a decision, your mind already went past through, okay, X, Y, and X, Y, and Z happened to you in the past, and you reacted this way and you created that belief and that pattern. That means we need to follow this. And this is the decision you're going to make. So before you even consciously thought about it, all that already happened <laughs> in the back of your mind. And then you think, oh yeah, I've made the decision consciously. No, you haven't.
0: Well, that's why, yeah, because there's there's a lot of studies. I mean, you and I both know this, right? That ninety, I think ninety five percent of all yeah. decisions we make are subconscious. Yep. So we think we're making these decisions consciously, but we're not. It's all our mm-hmm. subconscious. So, so I want to kind of put an analogy out there to to kind of ex- summarize a little bit of what you've been talking about to make sure that. You know, everybody that's listening kind of understands this, right? But you know, as we've been talking about, as as we grow up, as we Mm -hmm. have experiences in our life, it's like we're a computer program, Mm -hmm. right? And so, all of these different experiences, things that we have, relationships with certain people, everything that we have is like there's there's a little you know computer coder in our brain that's coding these things into us, right? So that we know. Hey, next time I get into a relationship, I want to find somebody that's emotionally unavailable because that's what I believe, <laughs> right? Is yeah. what a loving relationship means based on how I've been programmed. And so, you know, the problem is, you know, again, we've got years and years and years of this code being wrote or written in our subconscious.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And even, and, and that's why so much of the time, like you said, you know, consciously you were like, I don't want this, but I can't mm-hmm. figure out why, because it's recorded in the subconscious, your conscious isn't going to know that. But, you know, even if we consciously realize, hold it, I've got some bad programming that I need to redo, until we actually reprogram that line of code, yeah, it stays there, right? Mm-hmm. So we can yeah. consciously, all we want to say no, damn it. I know that I'm emotionally unavailable because my mother, or whoever, you know, helped me to learn that. So I'm going to think about it hard enough. And next time, I'm just not going to do it that way. That doesn't work, though, does it? It doesn't
1: work that way. That's, that's, I think that's the problem. It doesn't work that way. Cause, cause as long as we are aware and conscious, you probably can hold to your decision to a point. But we can't stay conscious and over all the time because we would be exhausted by nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we have subconscious mind for a reason. It helps us to preserve energy. So we don't have to consciously think about everything that we need to know and remember. Because if you want to think like, oh, I'm not programmed, I know what I'm doing. So think about it, if you get up in the morning, You don't think it's like I need to go up and I always go up on the left and I put my right foot on the floor and then I left and then, okay, what's next? And the left, all right, okay, next, or cup of tea. You just do it automatically, it just happens. You don't think about it. You just follow your art, that instinct. And that's your subconscious programming. You've programmed yourself that this is your morning routine and you repeat it over and over every day. And the more you repeat, the more ingrained the pattern becomes. So subconscious is very much needed. You know, it helps us to store very important information, helps us to preserve energy. As we go through the day, we get tired because we use mental capacity to think about things, we do things. Um, So it's needed and it's helpful as long as the programming in a subconscious mind serves us. So the code, so, you know, it's like you do, you operate on, what's now? Windows 10, 11? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I use Mac, so I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, let's say Windows 11, yet you still operate on a Windows 5, you know. Yet we expect the performance of, of Windows 11.
0: 11. Yeah. Well, and, th- and that's why I love hypnotherapy in general. I mean, I do at least one self-hypnosis audio a day. Mm-hmm. That's just me, right? Because I've I've found a lot of the power of it. Because, you know, again, to me, it feels like what you're able to do is go back and rewrite that code. Yeah. Right. So you're you're reprogramming yourself, you're changing your your beliefs and your identity so that in the future, right, when those things happen again, you're going to decide, respond in a different way mm-hmm. than how you'd been programmed, you know, for the previous part of your life so
1: absolutely
0: you know I'm guessing that that's then probably how you kind of worked through some of these things I know you mentioned relationship a couple times Um, you know so maybe just kind of walk through and and explain to people because I know to some people hypnotherapy is is like new they've never heard of it or there's a lot of times people are like isn't that the thing that they do at the county fair where they make me quack like a chicken? And <laughs> I don't want to do that. So, so maybe just kind of help because, because you're a practitioner in this. I mean, you help people all the time. What, what is what is it really doing and kind of what is it what does it look like?
1: So there's various ways that we can explain this. Um, one way to explain this is a narrow focus of attention. Um, you get that focus Well, maybe you meditate, uh, maybe you're watching a sunset at night and you're just so absorbed in that view. Um, Maybe you watch a film at night and you're like, oh my God, this is so interesting. And you really not paying attention to anything away from this. And that's kind of a hypnosis. It's a narrow focus of attention because... When your mind is relaxed, it's more open to suggestions. And people wrongly believe that they never experienced hypnosis before, which is not true because for the most part, all of us experience hypnosis every single day. Because if you watch film at night, if you have worried, interested in what you're watching it's a form of hypnosis especially if you're tired and your mind naturally slows down the processing it's like a form of hypnosis and uh, when you constantly watch something um so it's a repeat to you it's on a repeat again because that's your recording or a hypnotic recording when we're relaxed it's, it's, it's and it's important to remember when we are relaxed because the mind is more open so the stress response doesn't operate and the mind is more open um and your brain waves are slower than your normal um conscious mind as we're speaking right now and um, so that's i would say it's probably the easiest way for someone who never had any understanding of hypnosis what that is it's just a narrow focus of attention so sometimes people can be hypnotized as well let's say if they were in a car accident because maybe you were driving along and you're thinking oh my god i've got this debt to pay and that you know receipt to pay and oh my god they're knocking at the door from the uh uh, bank (laughs) and then boom you crashed and in that instant moment you forgot all about your debt all your focus and attention went on like okay i'm in a car accident." And then your mind was so narrow focused on what was happening in this particular moment in a second and created association is, okay, car accident. We don't like this. I'm unhappy. I'm anxious. And next time you're driving in a car accident, let's say, and you see a car maybe speeding up behind you a bit too fast because maybe someone drove into you, your body automatically gone to this like, oh my God, oh my God, because your mind goes like, this is danger. Car speeding up too fast means car accident. So that's other explanation as well. Um, and that opens the door to the subconscious mind. So we are being exposed to hypnosis pretty much every day, one way or the other. We just don't know that's what it is.
0: Yeah, and I like, I like the way you describe that because I don't know how many people I've talked to and they're like, well, I don't want to be hypnotized. And I'm like, Do you not realize you're hypnotizing yourself all day, every day? (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, I mean, when we're, when we have that, that narrow focus of attention, we're absorbed in watching a movie, we're absorbed in listening to music, or even like you said, sometimes when we're driving, you know, sometimes you'll get in the car, you start driving to wherever you're going, and all of a sudden you're there and you don't even remember how you got there.
1: Absolutely.
0: Right. That, that, that those kind of things happen. So we're already going into that kind of state anyway, during the day. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing to be afraid of from that because we do it all the time anyway. Right. Yeah. But like you said, once we get to that state, it sounds like that's the opportunity then for us to be able to reprogram. So let's, let's take your car example again, right. Just make sure I'm understanding this. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if somebody is, has been in a car accident, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that they were in a car accident is going to program certain things in their subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. So when they suspect danger, all of a sudden they're afraid that any danger they see on the road, oh my gosh, I'm going to get in a car accident, right? Yeah. And so that anxiety, that fear, mm-hmm. everything can well up in them. Right. And Absolutely. so, again, it, it may not be a, a car accident, but all of us feel this. There's different things mm-hmm. that trigger us that raise that anxiety yeah. and fear into us.
1: And it's a protective Which, mechanism. Is there yeah. to protect us so we don't put ourselves in the same position where we got hurt before.
0: Right. But I I guess with that, then the question kind of is, you know, when people are feeling certain anxiety or fears welling up over and over again that they don't want to experience, Mm -hmm. this is one of those areas where hypnosis can really help, isn't it? Oh,
1: absolutely. Because for the most part, most of the fears we get into are not really fears that impose any danger to us. Fear of judgment. um, Fear of being visible. All those fears are not really fears that are going to cause any damage to us. Yet those fears really hold us back. Um, and is it a revolu- evolutionary uh, process? Because it was back when we left in um, caves, so to speak, or in you know uh, tribes, it, it, that response was very much needed because. Once we created that pattern, knowing, okay, I've left the village and there's a tiger there, so that means if I live at night, there's a high chance that he's going to eat me for dinner. So now I've got this pattern, okay, dark night, outside the village, no good, we're not going there. But now we're not living in those circumstances. You know, you can go out and at night, at night, no one... Is going to do anything to you. But those fears, like being visible or being socially anxious, you know, people around you, you've got a social anxiety, we're afraid. Well, what really would happen there, even if someone doesn't like you? What is the worst that is going to happen to you? Well, they're not going to like you. So what? But the fear is real to us when we feel it. When we've got an anxious response, that stressful response, there's a whole cocktail of emotions going through our body. And it feels real as night and day. But hypnosis can help you to unravel this.
0: Well, and maybe, maybe just kind of explain, you know, give us maybe a couple of, of examples of, you know, anonymized, obviously, but, mm-hmm. you know, maybe of, of some things that, that your clients have come to you for. Because like you said, I mean, pe- people out there listening, we all have these anxieties and fears that come up and they're real to us, right? Mm-hmm you know, like you said, and, and we can either choose to, to keep feeling anxious and fearful, which is not very fun in my book, book, right. I'd rather get rid of those things as quick as possible, but, but what are kind of some examples? Cause again, as people are, are listening to this, they might be going, well, I don't know. Is, is the thing that I'm dealing with, is that something that hypnosis could help me with? So, so what are kind of some common things that people come to you to, to, to get help with?
1: mm mm-hmm. Um, So hypnosis can have a variety of problems. I've had a lady that came to me for a migraine. Uh, I've had people coming from confidence, sabotage, issues, fears, all sorts of things. Um, And age, again, it makes no difference because some people are like, oh, I'm old, uh, you know, old dogs, new tricks that doesn't go (laughs) together. And it's not true because one of my recent clients, um, a lady was past certain age and um, she came to me because she struggled with confidence. So she's lost her husband about a year ago, no friends, she had this social anxiety. She really felt uncomfortable going out to meet people, to struggle conversation. And she's like, well, I don't really want to you know, get married again. That was having her third husband, but I want to find a friend. I want to get some people in my life because I don't want to spend the last few years or while you know, much she's got left on my own. I said, like, okay. So we started to work together. And what it came down to it, when she was a little girl, her father never believed her. He always questioned her. So if she said something, she's like, okay, prove it to me. It was, she never was believed on the face value. She was like, okay, thank you, you know, honey, that's good. She always felt like what she's got to say is not good enough. She started to doubt herself that what she's got to say is actually not valid because her dad never believed her and always asked her to prove it to her. So she felt very uncomfortable in her own skin. She didn't trust herself. She always needed to ask for permission to do something. And because that started when she was a very little girl at that age when we are so open and malleable, we I think Jim says this, like we are a walking, talking camera with a microphone (laughs) that absorbs everything. Then... Um, Her family was bullying her and she allowed that to happen because she was like, well, well, they must know better than I do because I can't trust myself because my dad taught me this. He made me to believe that I am not to be trusted. And she got in a relationship with someone, again, recreated the relationship. Her husband was pretty much her dad, you know, Mm -hmm. didn't treat her well. Um, always questioned her. She never really had any friends and a relationship outside that, uh, outside that marriage. Um, and I think the last husband was the third husband that she had. Um, but again, he was her whole world. She didn't trust herself. She's like, why would he want to speak to me? I have nothing to offer. I'm no one, I'm nothing. I'm no interesting. I have nothing to say. My opinion don't matter. That was her reality. That's what she believed about herself. But that made her feel very uncomfortable and miserable in her own skin. So, when we started to work together and we unraveled, that's where the belief came from. The social anxiety, the inability to see that she is enough and worthy and interesting, came from the fact that her dad was questioning her from day one. And now, oh my God. She's a social butterfly.
0: I was going to say, she's, yeah. Now she's she out all is over the town.
1: amazing. Right? And to be honest, she wanted this change so much that she did everything that I asked her to do. She was going out to people. She was pushing herself past the comfort zone, which something is Jim tells us all the time. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to get out of your comfort zone, you never will. She was going out to social events approaching people as much as that was making her feel uncomfortable because mind prefers what's familiar. And that was a very unfamiliar concept to her. So even when we unraveled the belief, okay, the belief came from this and we worked on this, she still needed to do the work on a conscious level, push her past the comfort zone to prove to the mind is nothing to be scared of. And she did, and I'm not kidding such a social butterfly and she's such an interesting person so much to say yet she didn't see she didn't see that
0: yeah well that's why even as you were describing her you know i'm thinking okay here's a here's a lady that had three different marriages you know later on in life she's got to have some great stories of course she's got things that people would want to hear but but i think thank, thank you for kind of sharing that because i think it it hopefully helps unpack this for a lot of the people that have been listening and kind of understand. Um, And as you were talking, because, you know, I know I'm this way, most people are this way. We want to fix our own problems, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm a big boy. I can, I can, I can figure this out. But I think, you know, that example that you just shared, she wanted to figure it out, but she couldn't figure it out. Mm -hmm. Because so much of the time, we can't consciously figure it out because it relates often to some experience we had that we don't even remember, yep. or it relates to some experience that we would think has absolutely nothing to do with the challenge that we're dealing with. And that's really where you know somebody as a hypnotherapist can come in and actually help to unpack that. Because mm-hmm. like you said, you were able to to help unpack, figure out what it is. I'm sure through some of the sessions, reprogram some of that, mm-hmm. but then also encourage her to consciously actually do some stuff too, right? You can't just reprogram subconsciously and then just keep doing the same things. You oh know, no, because different.
1: that's, you're going opposite directions then. You, yeah. you still need to do the conscious work. And like you said, if you're trying to figure this on your own, quite often the ego is going to get in a way and the ego is like, don't go there. You don't need to go there. You find where you are. You know, if despite the fact that you feel very uncomfortable, and she did very uncomfortable, and she couldn't figure out, you know, figure this out by herself. That's why she came to me. And as you reprogram your subconscious patterns, you also need to do the conscious work, which for her was going out to social events, you know, get to know people approach them. And it was slow and, um, you know, one step at a time. You know, she didn't go to a massive event from day one. It was, a, it was a small gathering with just a few people. Next time was a bigger one. Next time was a different one. So every time she was pushing herself so a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And eventually she was like, what was I afraid of?
0: <laughs> well, I think, I think that's, that's the realization and that's the aha that, that we can come to once we actually go through the do do, and do the work right because again like you said but but the fear and anxiety that we're feeling is real to us oh
1: yes right but until
0: until we push through it and do the work that we need to do we come on the other side and it is it's like what was i so afraid of
1: exactly and anxiety is not exactly the problem this is just a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. you know because the problem wasn't the fact that she was anxious. The problem was that she didn't trust herself. She didn't see herself as someone who's worthy to be seen by other people and having any connections because she's like, well, who am I? I have nothing to say.
0: Yeah, and that that phrase that you just said, so many of the people that are listening probably are telling themselves that too, right? Who am I? What What do I have to share because we don't really feel as confident as as we want to or that Mm -hmm. we need to. We don't love ourselves as much as as we should. We talked a little bit about that earlier Mm -hmm. too, right? And again, it's all because of kind of the programming and the experiences and things that we've lived through in our life. And the problem is most of the time, we don't consciously know what's holding us
1: back. Exactly. And then we repeat our story to ourselves over and over Making it more real to us than actually is. Yeah. Mm. So just just one of the stories. I've got so many stories, and it's just absolutely fills my soul with joy when I am able to help people to get past this. Because I've been in a similar problems. I felt stuck in my patterns, and I was like, okay, there's something that I need to change here. But what? What is it that I need to change? <laughs>
0: Well, and it sounds like, again, because you you were able to get unstuck in your patterns, that's one of the reasons why now you are helping people mm-hmm. do the same thing through hypnotherapy to be able to help yeah. them as, as a tool.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's, I love it. Um, and, first, and to be honest, I, always, you know, I was someone who always been very passionate at helping people from a very young age because I was always against um, social conditioning, which is that programming. Um, I remember I've always been against certain ways I was expected to be and to live growing up when I did. And I was like, no, why? <laughs> I, I didn't sign up for that. Um, and that's probably why I love hypnotherapy so much, because I was kind of fighting that programming for, from very early age, not really realizing what I'm really doing, because I didn't know any of this. Well. I guess my higher self did. <laughs>
0: yeah. But consciously, you just didn't realize it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, any, any final, final things to, to, to maybe leave? I know we, we talked about a lot of good stuff today and things that, um, I always say usually at the beginning of each podcast, you know, sometimes we kind of weave all the way around, but, there's something in every episode that somebody needs to hear. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that that was the case today too, because of, of where we went, the things that we talked about and a lot of the things that you hear people talking about, I hear people talking about that that's a way to help them. So any, any kind of final thoughts to, to, to kind of wrap up, you know, cause everybody's got to get going. We got to get going too, but I'd stay here and talk to you all day if I could. But.
1: <laughs> well, no, I love those conversations. Um, I think if you are on a fence and you are somewhere like, well, I'm not really sure about this part of my life and I really don't know what to do about it. Go and reach out for help. It doesn't have to be me. There's plenty of hypnotherapy. Obviously, I don't want to see you, but (laughs) I may not be your jam. uh, But if you feel like there's something in your life that you really want to change and you've been trying and it's not really getting anywhere, Go and reach out for help. Find a hypnotherapist that you resonate with and see what they can do for you. Because I promise you, if you find a good hypnotherapist, it's going to change your life forever.
0: Yeah. Well, I've seen that in my life. You've seen it in your life. Like I said, I know lots of other hypnotherapists. I've heard stories after stories after stories. It's just, you know, again, and and what's the worst thing that can happen?
1: Right. Exactly.
0: This is what I always like to tell people is, you know, just just try it. If you don't like it, you never have to do it again. Mm-hmm. But if what you're doing isn't working, why not try something new and just see if it might work for you? Because that was kind of your story, too, you mm-hmm. know, that you were looking for all of these different things, but none of those seemed to resonate with you. But hypnotherapy did. Mm-hmm. that's that's kind of why you came to that to that, point.
1: yeah, it's exactly. like keep trying because I kept trying various things, I was like, okay, this is not really working for me and uh that's better, but not really. and I kept trying till I was like, okay, this is working for me. I love it. so yeah, and even with a hypnotherapist find one that resonate yeah. with you on an energetic level you know and go for your gut feeling. don't go for your head. that one is gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, go early. with your gut
1: feeling. Go with your heart. How this person makes you feel. Yeah. And if you feel it's good, go for it.
0: Good, good, good stuff. So thank you for coming on and, and talking to me today. I love doing this. And, um, you know, if, if again, if, if people have been listening, if this is resonating with them and they're like, man, that Evelina, she's amazing, which I already know, right, that you are amazing. Oh, thank
1: you very much. <laughs>
0: How, how how's the best way for people to reach out if they want to get a hold of you how how's the best way for people to get a hold of you
1: so my business is called braving the being uh so www.bravingthebeing.com. you know uh you can find me on instagram as well uh, which probably is going to be hard because it's my full name
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have to type out the whole thing okay but we'll we'll but make sure that people will be able to see it
1: yeah, but probably the easiest way to email me, which is my name, batweatherv, at bravingthebeing.com. And, or you can find me by Instagram, which is my name, which is <laughs> not easy to find.
0: All right, perfect. Perfect. Well, again, thank you, Evelina. It was uh, nice to get to know you a little bit better as well. And um, keep doing what you're doing. People, people are out there. People need help. And you're one of those good people. It's helping other people. So.
1: Oh, well, thank you very much. And thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you enjoyed the most about the podcast and you may even be featured on a future episode. When you're ready to turbocharge your leadership development, join the Briefing Leadership Program, where you get access to everything in one place and can interact directly with me in the group. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to Risk Academy's video on-demand learning platform at ondemand.criskacademy.com, Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you will also have access to hundreds of video on-demand learning opportunities. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.